I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, super smart sharks snack on scientists in 1999's Deep Blue Sea. Just what the hell did you do to those sharks? Jim and I use gene therapies to increase their brain mass. What is that? As a side effect, the sharks got smarter. And in the blue corner, a giant snake has a crush on J-Lo in 1997's Anaconda. They have come to the world's most isolated jungle. Now, they are the ones being hunted. There's something down there. Anaconda. When you can't breathe, you can't scream. So what connects these films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, welcome to Clash of the Titles, fight fans. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm LL Cool Chris. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're going for? I like that. Oh, thank you, baby bird. <laughs> These are all references to come later in the podcast. Sorry. Please, let's make that clear. <laughs> all right, then. So the two movies going head to head are Anaconda and Deep Blue Sea. I gave Anaconda to you, Vicky. I gave Deep Blue Sea to you, Chris. These were my picks. We do it chronologically, which means Anaconda is first. Takes away, V. No, because we've got to talk about what the connection is. Oh, shit. I mean, Vicky, what is the connection? Wait, I'm so glad. Ask me first because I've got a really brilliant pun. Ask me, ask me, ask okay, me. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I just wait, wait. did. All right, uh, look, let's, re- let's rewind. But Chris did just ask you, I think. <laughs> Literally said the words. Yeah, he said, what's the connection, V? Do you want me to say it? Would that help? Yeah, yeah, ask me, ask me. Fine, 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 fine. What is the connection between these movies, Victoria? It's Rappers and Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's a pun! <laughs> rappers and Beasts and Where to Find Them. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Rappers and Beasts and Where to Find Them. 
Mm. <laughs> pun? Is that a pun? I'm just going to look at the definition of pun. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, really worried that you, Chris, were going to steal it by looking at my notes like you did last week. <laughs> well, you didn't send them to me this week. No, therefore, I, didn't. Yeah. I did not. That's look right. fool me once. Notes. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Classic saying. Um, now, listen, it is correct. I mean, the pun sort of mangles it a bit, but yes, it is about rappers fighting killer animals. But there is one more. I know. Ah, I think I know it, but go on. Walt Conti? Yes, Walt Conti. Walt Conti is the animatronic man who did the beasts on both films. Oh. He built the sharks, the Mako sharks, the 26-foot-long Mako sharks, and he built the snake and anaconda. Do you as want... well as Free Willy. Yeah, he did Free Willy, yeah. Free Willy's a real whale. Okay. Not for the whole film, no. Oh. <laughs> okay, no, fine, I knew that. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. Um, there is another connection. Do you want another connection, Chris? Do it. Okay. I'm not trying to out-geek you, but I did find one. By accident, I didn't go looking. This isn't a competition, it is. I found out that the guy who voices the parrot in Deep Blue Sea is a guy called Frank Welker, and he also voices the snake in Anaconda. I know the snake doesn't make any speech at all, although I think it would be great if the snake went... The reason I'm killing you all. <laughs> However, he does, I guess, do the hiss. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weird noises coming out of that yeah. snake. So, so that's Frank, very welcome. Interesting. There you go. Three connections, but it is the first one. Rappers versus killer creatures. All right, we do them chronologically. Anaconda, 1997. That means you start, V. From 1997, I watched Anaconda starring John Voight, where a mysterious and deadly predator journeys down the Amazon on a systematic killing spree. Also, there's a massive snake in it. <laughs> all right, everybody. Double check your gear, make sure it's all on board, and pray you didn't forget your bug spray. They have come to explore the unknown Amazon. Now, they are the ones being hunted. Get in the face! You're gonna get us all killed! Anaconda. So, did you enjoy Anaconda? Yeah, I did. I thought it was brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah. I was really cross about thinking it was brilliant because when you picked it, I was like, oh, honestly, like, here we go. Um, and I had seen it before, but obviously just forgotten everything that had happened because I really, really enjoyed it. I totally forgot Owen Wilson was in it yeah, until I he know. popped up. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's because, it's because he isn't being very Owen Wilson in it. They're not letting him go full Owen Wilson. No, he's uh, he's very reserved. He's... You wouldn't think this is this is the guy that's going to become a movie star out of the, the the sort of male actors in this film no no you watch some you watch someone who is a movie star i guess sort of try and undo that <laughs> 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 with one hell of a performance do you want to know how to survive being squeezed by a massive snake uh you need to always carry a shovel with you and <laughs> hold it is do you it wink at it <laughs> there, is, there is a wink in this film there we'll be getting to yeah. wink. there is no you unwrap it tail first so imagine a snake is wrapping itself around you. Your instinct would be to unwrap it from its head because obviously you fear of getting bitten. But the weakest part of the squeeze is at its tail. Okay. I, I also did some research and learned that anacondas aren't really man-eaters. No. But they are uh, cannibals. Um, and it's the green anaconda. The larger female consumes the smaller male. I'll tell you what they are good at, though, is climbing poles. And the very first scene of this film is a man in the sort of outpost cabin and he's aware that this anaconda beast is coming to get him so he climbs up a pole mm. <laughs> to escape it. Yeah, it's the most ridiculous place to hide. Where am I going to yeah. hide? On the ship's mast. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's uh, a good cold opening because both these films have kind of that cold open and I, yeah. like, I like this one and it's Danny Trejo who mm -hmm. 
we recognise. He became more of a star after this, I guess. Yeah, I was expecting him to be in it more, and then yeah. he's just yeah. gone. It's kind of disappointing. But probably at the time, I wasn't expecting it because I'd probably seen him in one, maybe just from Dust Till Dawn. Or, yeah. And uh, but yeah, I think he's being dubbed, isn't he? It doesn't sound like his voice. Is he really? Yeah, his voice is a bit higher in it than the Danny Trejo. There's a snake coming to get me. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah, there's a brilliant bit. I think full respect to the slow motion nail. Did you see that moment where the snake's coming up through the floor and the nail just sort of flies in slow oh, motion yes! in front of his face and he looks and it's like, nail. <laughs> Run up a mast. Yeah. Um, so then we get into like the whole rest of the cast, the ones who are still alive at this point, and we meet J Lo, who's a filmmaker. She's a director. Yeah, she's a documentary director. Right. This is a big break. You just you meet this documentary crew like um, with Jonathan Hyde, who plays like a snarky David Attenborough, Owen Wilson. I don't know what he's there to do. Sound guy. Sound. I think. Yeah. Okay, fine. Mm. Um, he's, um, he's there to do sound and be horny. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He's a very horny man. He certainly is. And they are there to annoy an indigenous tribe without that tribe's permission in order to make their fame and fortune. I mean, it is kind of questionable, the ethics behind what they're doing in the first place. This tribe that have never been seen choose not to make contact with the outside world. And Eric Stoltz is like, we're going to go find them. We're going to find them anyway. It's extremely questionable. The people of the mist are going to meet Ice Cube very soon. Big day for them. (laughs) <laughs> Big day for them. But they, they nicely establish all the characters very quickly in, in their first five minutes on the boat. They've each got a little trait. What would you say J-Lo's main trait is? She, I would say her main job is to look uncomfortable, but sexily sweaty. And that's it. I, doesn't everyone look sweaty, though? I mean, I made a note of Danny Trejo looking sweatier than any man I've ever seen in that first <laughs> sequence. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, an anaconda would struggle to get a grip on that. There'd be no purchase. <laughs> no purchase at all. Just slide right off him. Did, did you have a prob- problem with J-Lo in this film? I remember one of the reasons I watched this film was because she was in it. Cause I, was... I mean, I didn't have a problem. I just thought there's only so many times you can put your hair up and rub your neck. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just leave your hair up. Don't take it down. Yeah. But this was, a, you know, this was a big establishing role for her. She'd yeah. done Money Train. I remember we've kind of all seen her in that, but this was the first lead role that she'd had. She was, it was going to be, I think it was going to be Gillian Anderson was the first choice for this, uh, but she couldn't do it because of the X-Files. This would have been a cracking episode of the X-Files, I think. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, what's the supernatural element? Did you ever watch the X-Files? Well, it's, an anima- it's an animated snake. <laughs> right, but it's... it's not a real one. It's, it's, ca- it's a cartoon snake. Oh, you mean the X-Files episode would be about the fact <laughs> and, that the snake and, wasn't real? And John Voight's clearly from another planet. Oh, yeah, let's talk about John Voight. I oh. don't want to talk about anything else. I just want to talk about him. I thought he was amazing when he's like, I'm from Paraguay. And everyone's like, really? And it's like, really? Yeah, because you're like, right, okay, I get you're from Paraguay, mm. but where's the accent from? Yeah. It's from Scarface. The accent's from Scarface. The character's from Paraguay. He says things like that are cool, though. He goes like, five whiskeys? That's just breakfast on the river. And I'm like, ah, oh, I want to hang out on this river. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's you know, he seems like a crazy man from the off. Like, I think often in, in these films, you can meet the guy and he seems charming at first, the stranger that they meet who needs help. And then they'll, they'll build up to him being the villainous, crazy person. But here, he's gone up to 11 from the beginning. There's that bit where he catches a big <laughs> fish to sort of win their trust on the, the documentary crew. And it seems to me like he'd speared it just with his snarl. He's like grimacing over the river and this fish jumps onto his spear out of sheer horror. <laughs> I've never seen a man... Eat fruit so disgustingly. Yeah, menacingly. It's just like, it's like, it's like really, it, you know, it reminded me of the um, the guy, the steward of Gondor. You know, the bit in Return of the King where he's eating those tomatoes, the cherry tomatoes, and it's all dribbling down his chin. It's a lot like that. That was, 
No, you know. I just, you've just got such an encyclopedic knowledge of things that I've completely forgotten. You know the bit I mean. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's oh, not. Oh, I tell you, if Chris doesn't remember it, maybe it didn't. It's not coming back to How me. do you remember Money Train and not that? I don't know. Well, because I remember J Lo was in Money Train. I don't remember what she ate in it. <laughs> <laughs> Does the famous seamer, she has that yogurt. She eats a yogurt, puts her hair up. They're sailing up the Amazon, through the Amazon. Through the Amazon. They see right. John Voight, he needs help. What is John Voight's plan in this film? Because I didn't really understand it. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense because he's going to take them hostage. But why them? Like he, he sets up an elaborate sting operation where his boat appears to have crashed and he's in cahoots with Mateo to get on board their ship. And Mateo's, Mateo's in charge of their ship. Yeah, he's, he's, he's driving the captain, the the captain of their dri- ship. No, sailing the ship. Sailing yeah. the ship? Piloting. Piloting the Captaining. ship. Is it Matteo's ship that they have rented? Yeah. So why couldn't Matteo and him have just used that ship? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> this, this, this was really bugging me. <laughs> that's a really good point. There is a good, solid... He's thought it through. It's just the start. It's like, why is he not mm, I don't with Matteo? The middle yeah. of this imaginary plan, say that the documentary could have been like, we're absolutely fine with capturing an alive 40-foot snake. What do you do with it then? Like, are you just going to put it in the middle of the boat? Are you going to put it in bed? And then what's the plan when you get that snake back to dry land? Does it go to a zoo? Well, he it... said you could. he was going to sell it for millions. So I think yeah. there's a black market buyer that's out there that he can... Okay. I mean, I'll just say it's a lot of handbags. That's all. <laughs> oh, come on. It is. <laughs> how, did, how did you feel about uh, the snake in question? I thought it was a shame that we see the snake's face so quickly. So if it had been me, you would... Are you, even though a lot of a snake looks the same... You would have, I would have done back of the snake, middle of the snake. Mm. It looks really cute when you first see it. When it pops its head out of the water and goes, am I? Oh. I th- well, I think it looks kind of fun. I was laughing in that little moment, it which, looks like which I think is a bad, that's a mistake, isn't it? Yeah, but we also, I think, is it just before then or just after then? That snake is tough. Like, it pops a panther's eye out. Mm. It crushes, I think that was a good scene, where it crushes Bagheera. Um, like, and its eye pops out. It spits. It spits a monkey at a Brit. Yeah, that's so brilliant. Right, that is great. Do you know who the real victims in Anaconda are? Monkeys. Yeah. A monkey gets eaten and then spat out. A monkey gets shot and used as bait. A monkey gets tied to some kind of table by John Voight mm. at the end and drained of its blood. Bled, yeah. I mean, if you were a monkey watching this, you'd be like, "This is disgusting." Yeah, that's why I chose not to watch this one with a monkey. But um, that's respectful. As you say, though, these I think all of the crew, they, they sort of get killed off one by one, but they all kind of deserve it. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to do it, though, I think. If, if, <laughs> it would be a much shorter film if the snake had just gone, I'm going to do you all. <laughs> Bang! But, I mean, they're literally getting what they deserve, aren't they? Because the, isn't the snake protecting the people of the Mist Tribe? No! no. Isn't it? What movie did you watch? I'm telling you, I was quite confused by this film. I have a lot of questions written down. I have less notes than normal and quite a few questions. No, the state, the, but they're worshipping it. Are they? Yeah, it says yes. at the beginning that, that some tribes, so the inference is this tribe worship snakes. And I think it's because the snake protects them. Oh. And so by coming in, and actually what they're going to be doing is exposing the, the tribe to themselves and the modern world, this, I think the snake is doing this to protect the tribe's Well, people. it's not just you that doesn't know what's going on, because Owen Wilson gets the best line of the whole film for me when no one knows what's going on, and he um, articulates this by saying, you don't know shit about the shit we're in, and neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> is this 
good Owen Wilson or evil Owen Wilson? Because he has a massive turnaround this halfway through. This is as he's turning evil. Because what I love is the fact that good Owen Wilson at the start, who's like, I'm a good guy, I'm Owen Wilson, got my hair in my eyes, I'm <laughs> Owen Wilson. And then he's wearing a very flamboyant Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. The minute John Voight goes, join me, mm. he puts on a very sombre green yeah. shirt. And no you're time like, for laughs. No. Oh, wow. Owen Wilson changes things up fashion-wise. Do you think that's to make him look more snake-like, that he's wearing a green shirt, so he'll blend in a little more? Or the, um, the anaconda will go, oh, I was going to eat you, but you're a snake. <laughs> So I'll leave you alone. It certainly puts the end to any more nighttime jungle shagging, which I thought was the boldest thing I'd ever seen to go off into the pitch black jungle in the middle of the night ostensibly for a shag. Insane. Yeah, I was going to say, it's crazy. Not, but it's not pitch black, is it? It's really beautifully lit. This jungle that they're walking <laughs> yeah. through, it's so romantic, the lighting. I was like, is it, is it like that? I was taking it back. I was like, I don't even take the fucking bin out after eight o'clock. <laughs> this is the thing. This is how horny Owen Wilson is. He's ignored. But then what's she? Maybe she's horny as well. Yeah. I mean, they both clearly are horny. Of course. Because the jungle makes him horny. Does, yeah. Does anything weird make you horny? I once went into a tropical house and I got a bit aroused, so I get mm. where he's coming from. I quite like a library. Oh, yeah, anywhere where you're told to be quiet. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's, really t- it's really tense, isn't it? I'm so tense. <laughs> Is anyone going to make a noise? I think Vicky's done it in a library. She's laughing a bit too much. Yeah, this is weird. What's Wait, happened? Nothing, it just really tickled me. Don't oh. okay. okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> and that we learnt today that um, ice cubes don't melt in hot water by watching this film. What? It's, what? A, it's a joke. It's a pun. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's an actual pun. pun. I feel like it's the first yeah. pun in this podcast I'm not being today. funny, but I'm quite good at puns. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, Does it qualify as a pun? <laughs> it's written down here, so it must do. I'd like to talk about people when they're in the water and they're trying to swim for their... Because obviously they get in the water at some point, so the jeopardy, the snake's on the loose, they're going to mm-hmm. get in the water. <laughs> Why is it not called snakes on the loose? <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, J-Lo's in the water with Ice Cube and they sense the snake and he's like, swim! And she does the worst front crawl I've ever seen. Like, if you were swimming for your life, you were allowed to put your face in the water. Mm. And this happens in Deep Blue Sea as well, that Saffron Burrows does a very, very uh, half-assed front crawl to get away with their life. I wouldn't do the front crawl anyway. I do Because it. you'd be so embarrassed. Yeah. Breaststroke. <laughs> With your head above water? Yeah. Like a mum? Yeah. That's, I actually can't do the crawl. Can you do the crawl? Yes. Can you do the crawl? We're learning that you can't do a lot of physical things on this podcast. Actually, actually, this ties into another question I have. Probably my favourite bit in the film is when John Voight's tied to the pole and he jumps straight up in the air. Oh, yeah. Comes down, his legs wrapped around... Uh, oh, God. Denise's neck. Denise's neck. Yeah. And he strangles her. This physical impossibility, and I was wondering, with your dense bones, would mm. you be able to make that <laughs> manoeuvre? Well, no, theoretically, not not at all. I'd just lie on her and... <laughs> and crush like, her. Yeah, she wouldn't be able to breathe because my bones are so dense. Just I'd put just... one dead arm across her. <laughs> and that bit's really awful, actually, that violent bit. Where he is kills it, Denise. Is, it, is, is, that, is, is there something going on because he's like a snake? Because rather than any other way of killing her, he strangles her like a snake would. He crushes her. Mm, well, he's more snake than man, isn't he now? I think he loves the snakes. Like it's it's strange his relationship with snakes. I don't know if something's happened in the past. Oh, where all the baby snakes are on the bunnies going, the babies, oh the babies, back to your mother, babies. That's weird. Yeah. Now I have a question. Uh, seeing as you seem to know a lot about snakes, V. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the, how much does an anaconda really need to eat? Uh, they eat quite infrequently. 
They're not very good on land. They're better in water. Um, they don't eat people. They don't really regurgitate their food unless they feel threatened. What? It's to confuse an enemy and also to make themselves lighter so they can slither off. Oh, so if someone was trying to kill an anaconda, it'd throw up its meal mm-hmm. and the thing would go, oh, I'll have that then. Or that, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's disgusting. I can't believe you just did that and then oh, turn around and I've run got away. wet mouth. I have got wet mouth. Oh, I'm going to leave it. That has put me right off my food, which was, which was going to be you. Is, is it all the same snake in the film? Are there diff- Is there different snakes after him at the end? What? Yes. What? what? Oh, oh you're, you're going... No. Yes. What? What? So the snake that Ice Cube, like, the who who kills... No. The ice Cube... Wait, is... no. J-Lo. There's a snake that J-Lo puts a bullet in. That yes. isn't the same snake at the end. It hasn't survived a bullet to its head where oh, its I eye thought, comes out. I thought it had. See why well, I'm confused about this film. Yeah, I, because why would you suddenly introduce another snake without making a big deal about That's it? That's what I didn't because understand. the new snake is even bigger. It's like, oh my God, that snake was... We thought that snake was bad, but this one... Yeah, look, no, they can't be that because you, any idiot would write the scene where it's like you've got the big snake and then the shadow of the bigger snake like hoves into view and it'd be like, you think that's a big snake? This is a big snake. Right. It wouldn't, no one would do it the way that you've just described. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't write it. Oh, okay. I, but I, that's how it happens in the film. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> At times it felt like you did. <laughs> Alex. It's the same snake. And final question uh, for well, you, if I If I had written it, then I would be very happy with the, the line, don't make me out a monster. I didn't eat our dear captain, <laughs> which I thought was great. I and love that he's trying to do the accent. It's yeah. probably closer to a Paraguayan <laughs> I would say it probably is. than John Voight in this film. Please, people, don't make me out of monster. I didn't eat the captain, Mateo. <laughs> um, final question for you, Vicky, from me. Mm-hmm. Um, as the podcast's resident seductress... <laughs> What did you think of oh, J-Lo's... Oh, look at that look. <laughs> what did you think of J-Lo's efforts to seduce John Voight? Um, absolutely laudable, commendable. <laughs> what Good was going you. on there? Good for you, sister. You do what it takes to get the job done. Of course I didn't think that. She, put, was... no, she put a bit of lipstick on for him as <laughs> she well. She did, it was so odd, because that took ages. I was like, what, I wonder why she's putting lipstick on. Oh, that's why she's putting yeah. lipstick on. He doesn't seem like the sort of man that would give a fuck about lipstick, if I'm honest. No, he does say something along the lines of, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> to which I was like, nonsense. <laughs> With that charm and those crazy eyes. And that greasy ponytail yeah. down your back. And your flagrant disregard for people's personal liberty, you could have done whatever you like. So is this a good John Voight performance? It's incredible. Yeah. I can't I can't be more enthusiastic about it. You don't think amazing. it's gone you don't think it's gone too far. Who cares? Yeah. It's fantastic. A hundred percent. I I mean, I guess the problem, if we are going to say there's a problem, the problem is that, like, the snakes are seem less villainous than him. Like, it's called Anaconda. It's not called Creepy Ponytail Dude. <laughs> and, like, yeah, he's the one. Like, that whole bit at the end where he's swallowed and spat back out. Yeah. And still, like, he's, he's already started to dissolve. Mm. He looks a lot like the guy who crashes into the toxic waste in Robocop. It's like skin's falling off him, and he still manages to go... Yeah, he still squeezes wink. out a wink. Yeah. <laughs> but I do wonder if this this film is... I, I have a recurring... The one recurring nightmare I have is about snakes. And what I think it? it... Tell us about it. It's just... I'm, I'm, I'm in a room, I'm lying in bed, and I'm aware that there's a snake in the top corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And But I can't, I'm too frightened to look at it because I know if I look at it, it will come for me. And it's you... not that kind of library. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, eventually, I have to look at it because... 
I can't sit without looking at it any longer. And then when I do, it comes for me and that's when I wake up. They really bite frightened. you on the face. I, I wake up just before it, it hits me. And I wonder if that came from here because I don't remember having it before seeing this film. So I wonder if that's really messed me up. And are you scared of snakes in real life? A little bit. Okay. Ooh, not majorly, I, I but a little bit. Why would you not be fucking terrified? Are you scared of them? I think so. Like I've don't, I don't I've like the way they see... I don't like the way they move. I don't like the side to side thing. I don't trust that. Whereas a spider, at least it's coming straight at me. Just... I mean, I, I was watching this and then I noticed that my I was gradually like raising my feet off the floor. I mean, I don't live in a snake infested house as far as I'm aware, but I was like I couldn't but, and I was by myself and I just didn't like the thought of, you know, like something shooting out from under the coffee table and no. Wow. Yep. Are you I think it's something of... funny to say. You've got fun. No, I was actually, I was there. I was thinking, I had to say, I watched Arachnophobia and I've never been scared of spiders. And at, during that, I had my feet off the floor and yeah. I was like, I could feel things crawling on me. Have you watched Arachnophobia since and found it frightening? No, yeah, I've watched it since and it's, it's rubbish. Right. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. Oh. It's that guy at the end, the stupid scientist who's like, Why? you know when someone just does something so stupid in a movie and you're like, well, that's stupid. When he's trying to attract the spider's attention, he keeps plucking on its web going, here, come get me. And it mm. does and kills him. And you're like, what? There you go. What was the, what was the plan? <laughs> yeah, those, those uh, scientists in Alien Covenant do that thing as well, where they're in the, they're poking at the eggs and stuff. And <laughs> Don't mention that movie on this podcast. Okay. I will not have this podcast sullied by mention of Alien Covenant. That is a terrible terrible travesty of a film that film is so bad Ridley Scott even undoes his own <laughs> he undoes his own alien life cycle Billy Crudup gets an alien in it face hugged and then like like that's supposed to take ages to, for the creature to gestate inside him like Michael Fassbender basically has a cigarette and goes <laughs> oh yeah you got a chest buster it's like what, what the fuck Sorry, I, I shouldn't have mentioned it. I should have told. I, it's my fault. I should have told you not to mention. You it. need to send me a list of things I can't mention. Yeah. Um, for anaconda. Uh, let's give some points to Jonathan Hyde for the second best line in this film, which is um, when he gets into the water. The last time I was in water like this, I was up all night picking leeches off my scrotum, which begs the question: tiny leeches or massive scrotum? <laughs> <laughs> Why would it take all night? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Got one off. Oh, Maybe he wants to go back on. Oh, get off again. Oh, on again. God, yeah. Leech hey, on a scrotum. In a library. <laughs> I do think John Voight gets a really good death because he's a really good villain and you want a really good villain to have a horrible death and it is horrible. I, but yeah, that was a great ending with a great, as you say, the great a great villain kill. But then we get the, the survivors head off to destroy the peace and tranquility oh, of those tribes people still. Oh, terrible ending. The, They're off to the film end, The indigenous tribe comes sort of appearing out of the mist to save the narrative, which is insulting. Because And also they worship snakes. So wouldn't they have been like, where's my fucking snake? Well, they don't <laughs> look... Who didn't fucking they trick don't, it up a chimney and set it on fire, did you? Because that was really important. They don't look happy, though. No, they don't. So I like to think they're about to all be murdered by the tribes people. Serves them right. The people of the mist are about to just kill all of them that are left wow that's the ending you want 100 percent. yeah i think that i think these guys as i've said already i think these guys deserve it and they've earned it jeez i mean eric stoltz hasn't really earned it has he he's sort of been... <laughs> yeah but he's just a bit forgettable so <laughs> whatever i think anacondas the blood orchid search for the blood orchid hunt for the blood orchid the sequel might be better than this oh uh, have you seen it i have not oh have you no it's really good uh, it's really good that's all I'll say. I think you should watch it. I mean, if, if you haven't had enough they, already. Because there have been three sequels now. Yeah, the other... I think Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid got a cinema release, though. The others are right. straight to DVD. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think maybe there's isn't there some connection with the plot of that one with Deep Blue Sea? The, I think the reason they they need yes. this, it's yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. They're looking for a special orchid that they can use for their pharmaceutical company mm. to do something amazing with medicine. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it takes some inspiration from our other film. Um, all in all, though, a very enjoyable movie. Yes, a very very enjoyable movie. To my surprise, yeah, yeah, a terrific B movie. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's move on to Deep Blue Sea from 1999. Chris. When a dangerous storm hits a top secret research facility, a ragtag group of scientists and money men do battle with fearsome genetically engineered creatures. Now, wait, that's the plot of Jurassic Park. But it also works for my movie this week, which is Deep Blue Sea, where the characters were so preoccupied with whether or not they could make sharks smarter, they didn't stop to think if they should. In the most advanced research facility in the world. Beneath its glassy surface, a world of gliding monsters. Tell me I didn't see that. They recognized that gun. That's impossible. Sharks do not swim backwards. They can't. Somebody, please, tell me what that is. Okay, uh... I honestly, sometimes I put this as the second greatest shark movie of all time. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this one. But essentially, it's alien underwater. Right, which is what Rennie Harlan, cliffhanger director, Die Hard 2 director, Long Kiss Goodnight director, set out to make. He, what, he basically created this cast of largely unknown actors so that you wouldn't really know who was going to die, in what order. And then he threw Samuel L. Jackson in, who was a star, and has him die halfway through in one of the greatest cinema deaths ever, uh, or at least one of the most shocking and surprising. In the same way, Tom Skerritt, Dallas in Alien, gets off halfway through, and you're like, 
oh, okay, this is no longer following the template I thought it would. Yep, I was going to build up to that, but we're going with Jackson's <laughs> oh, death. Get straight in there. <laughs> Let's it's do the it. <laughs> well, actually, it's not the best death. It's not the best death. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I watched this, and I truly think Stellan Skarsgård's death in this movie is one of the most horrible deaths in cinema history. He gets his arm bitten off, then he gets raised up on a platform into a helicopter on a stretcher, then that falls into the water, then the sharks grab it, use him as a battering ram to smash into a lab. The glass cracks, they all escape, all the other people, apart from him, who has an oxygen mask on, so you've got to believe he is still strapped to this stretcher, slowly running out of air, so his ultimate death is drowning. And I feel like there's an anti-smoking message in there because it it bites <laughs> off the arm that he's just sparked up a cigarette that, and is holding. That, that whole lab is a is a mess. That's not any scientific lab. Like the fact that he even has a packet of fags on him is ridiculous. And then his girlfriend gives him like not smart fags around the shark, and he's like, oh yeah, shit, sorry, I won't do that. There's like four people present when they're doing shark brain surgery, which you think would require more than the skeleton crew that they've got that weekend. I didn't respect it's it. It's because everyone's lab. got the weekend off. I know, but when that's you're completely do, normal. Yeah. At the same in Jurassic Park is completely normal in these places. <laughs> keep four people there with these dangerous man-eaters all around you. Yeah. Um, where's the shotgun? Uh, we keep it in a break glass in emergency <laughs> cupboard. So what is going on with these sharks? They are... Um, They've broken the Harvard Convention. Harvard. Yeah. Did, did, I didn't think to look up the Harvard Convention. Is it real? Do we know? I didn't look it up. I just The character that seems very upset about that, Janine, that this convention has been broken, I was like, would you not already know that since you're supposed to be in the lab every single day but they're endeavoring to reactivate human brain cells to cure alzheimer's mm. um and they think sharks might be the key but it's genetic engineering which as you say is illegal yeah uh it looks like their research is going to be shut down but samuel L. jackson does it say in the film that he's the richest man in the world no it says in the making of yeah documentary yeah we're told he's the uh, <laughs> not in the film that he's the richest man in the world he's invested 200 million into the company yeah he wants to pull it all and they say just come this weekend come and have a look on this um what is it it's a little the aquatica it's a research little... center that's underwater and has pens on the surface to yeah keep the sharks labs in. underwater yeah he's worried that they he's sunk 200 million in and he says to saffron burrows at the start for why he's going to pull the funding he goes when the market opens on Monday, despite my reputation, I don't like heights. Oh, yeah. Which is confusing. It doesn't and make also, any sense at that point. It doesn't point. make any sense. And no. you're also like, well, that's a shame because I heard you were the guy who liked heights. <laughs> and then ironically, uh, she takes him underwater. So in this film, Saffron literally burrows. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Another pun. We need to work on the definition of pun. Um, yeah, so we get to this and we meet, uh, we've already met him briefly, Thomas Jane, who is... This Aquaman, movie, he's Aquaman. He turns into an action star in front of our eyes in this movie. Does he? I think so. He's great. This is a guy who, like, he's a man's man. He swims with sharks. He wrangles Well, they sharks. say he speaks the language of, of shark. But I feel like Tom Jane, I don't know. I find him not very likeable in this film. Like, his character in the film, he's such a dick to Samuel L. Jackson when he gets there. I know, and he's paid for everything. I don't get it. Like, why is everyone so mean to him? It's like, I don't like rich suits or something. Or like, 
corporate, yeah. whatever. Stuff. Uh, He's paying your wages, yeah. dude. Like, you, you know what Samuel L. Jackson doesn't like, though? Doesn't like gates closing behind him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Janine? When Janine closes that gate, he just <laughs> stares at it like... <sighs> yeah, another for thing ages. that you think is going to become important and doesn't become important no. at all. No, I watched... Uh, you, if you watch The Making Of, you'll have seen uh, Thomas Jane in The Making Of because he has a quote in this talking head. He's standing on the boat and they're interviewing him about the movie and he goes... If people knew how many sharks they were swimming with when they go to the beach, they wouldn't go to the beach. Then he pauses and goes, the Coast Guard knows. <laughs> like, he's worked out this weird conspiracy theory in his head where the Coast Guard knows there are loads of sharks. And Thomas Jane knows and yeah. no one else knows. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you into a little secret. Yeah, he's the on Coast the inside. The Coast Guard knows how many sharks are out there. You're like, what? Um, I've seen documents. Is it better than his line? Um, <laughs> he's having an argument with Saffron Burroughs and he's like, hey, you obviously you know what you're doing. I'm just a fish keeper. <laughs> Can we not do better than a fish keeper? <laughs> yeah. Do you know everyone else is calling you a shark wrangler, which yeah, sounds cool. So much better. And you, you're going for fish keeper. Fish keeper. These are my fish. I keep them. No one else can get to them. They're mine. I'm keeping them. These fish aren't loose. They're kept by me, the fish keeper. <laughs> so the the person that's been doing the experiments on the sharks, although unbeknownst to everyone else on this, See, uh, yeah, for some which, reason, which Janice, not Janine. Oh, sorry, her name's Janice. Janice. Sorry. I knew it wasn't Janine. Sorry, go on. Um, is played by Saffron Burrows. They, they first recognise that there's something going on because a shark recognises a gun and then swims backwards. Yeah. Although I guess what these what these sharks are capable of and what they know is something that, as the film goes on, becomes more and more vague. I mean, they seem to understand structural engineering quite quickly. They do, don't they? Uh, they That's know the difference it. between steel and um, titanium. titanium. Yep. There's a lot of things they figured out really yep. quickly. But the, the beauty of this film is is that we've got all all hell breaking loose. But at the same time, we've got what it seems like a completely different movie happening yeah. with um, a rapper and his parrot. Mm. Um, he spends a lot of the film on his own talking to the parrot or himself, which is not an easy thing to do. And yet he pulls it off. He's Are very good. No, Ella, he's I, he's no. very good. Rennie Harlan had to fight uh, to get him in this movie because he wanted to cast him. And I think it's, is it Warner's? Warner's were like, no, we don't think so. And he was like, nope, you're having him. And then he was meant to die really early on. And yeah. Rennie Harlan was like, he's so good. We're keeping him alive. I just didn't think he was very good. That's all. What? Just the, what he does. He's got a natural likability about him. That's mm, Yeah, he's really likable. But there are a lot of scenes where he's required to look terrified. And all he does to show you how terrified he is, is shiver very loudly and very expressively. Do you, did you ever hear that story about, I can't remember which of the cast of Desperate Housewives, but she'd had a, quite a lot of Botox in her, well, in her whole face, mm. so she, and particularly in her forehead, and she was unable to express surprise anymore. So the writers had to start, um, every time she was surprised, she had to drop a teacup. <laughs> How many times did that happen? <laughs> well, like, the, the crockery what, bill on that set. So what I'm saying is, it's hard to look terrified, like, just with your eyes. And so he has this like huge face tremor to show that he's scared. I didn't think it was that good. Um, regarding LL Cool J though, have you watched or listened from beginning to end to the song he did for the film? I heard uh, it over the credit. That's him at the yeah, end of the Yeah, credits, yeah, yeah. Now, how is, is it, my head is like a shark's My fin. cap, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> You're both wrong. Oh. It's my hat is like a shark's fin. I was closer. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Actually, do you want to hear a snatch of it just so you, uh, the audience knows what he's saying? Like a shark, yeah. Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark's fin. Uh, Deep is blue as my hat is like a shark's fin. So he 
says that 35 times in the song. <laughs> I counted it. Uh, but it turns out it has, there's more to it than it just being because he was in this film. So in 1987, he did a record called I'm Bad, where he raps, MCs can't win, I make them rust like tin, they call me Jaws, my hat is like a shark's fin. Oh. Where it, ma- it kind of makes sense in that. It doesn't in this context actually make, context actually make sense, but he's actually referring to an old song. Um, while you've got your phone, mm. can I ask you to look something up? What's your favourite shark? What's your favourite shark? What's your favourite shark? Great white. What's your favourite shark? Probably the short fin Mako. Yeah, look, but look up a shark. I'm going to show you a shark that's going to scare the fucking life out of you. You know this is an audio. Yeah, but I just want to get your reaction because it's so horrendous. Okay. I also like the thresher shark because it yep. can stun its prey mm-hmm. with a flick of its tail. I know loads about sharks. Yeah. Just I've got I've got a shark tattooed on my wrist. Have you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe you know more about sharks. Well, well, tell me about your history with sharks. Give me the thing. Alec. Sorry, where's the internet? <laughs> just go and Google there. What? We've got to cut all this now. <laughs> this is good stuff. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Go. This is my favourite shark. It's a goblin shark. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm, that's, that's not real. That's not real. That's from the Smithsonian. It you has to be real. Up. Yeah, the oh, animatronic wing. I can't stop wing. staring at it. It's just unbelievable. It's, um, yeah, uh, yeah the, the guy that wrote the script actually witnessed a shark attack. No. In Australia. They're, they're so you know, rare. I find it hard he, to believe. Well, he, re- he witnessed the horrific effects of a shark attack he when saw, they washed up in Queensland. Yeah, he saw a body. Really? He saw a, a, a partially eaten shark attack victim's body on the beach when he was living in Australia, I think. He's from Queensland. Yeah, it happened in Queensland. And he says there really was not much left of him. And it gave him nightmares about... Um, Sharks in a passageway that could read his mind, and that's where he got the idea for the film from. I did think um, Rennie Harlan, um, because the whole thing about this was they were like, Jaws is Jaws, we don't see the shark a lot, it's, it's, you know, it's the bar to be reached with shark movies, but Rennie Harlan wanted to show the sharks a lot more, he wanted to see them, and he wanted that, that was going to be the big difference between Jaws, he was like, we've got the technology now. No more actually, hiding the sharks. No more hiding the sharks, yeah. right. But he actually says on the making of documentaries, like, I challenge anybody to tell me what is real and what is not. Challenge accepted. I'll take that challenge. (laughs) So I was wondering, though, in 1999, if I was more convinced by them than I am now. I'm not sure. I think I think the animatronic you know, we shark can't, does look real you know, sometimes. Sorry. You know, we can't answer that. because I would like you to have a think about it, though, if you could. <laughs> okay. Cast your minds back to my childhood. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the animatronic shark does look actually very real sometimes. It's, it's just not, the CGI it can't be a real shark. Because a Mako shark doesn't ever get that big, or it's become bigger. Right. So it can't. Yeah, but be I can real. suspend my bis- disbelief enough sorry, that that looks real to me. That shark isn't real. The that, shark isn't real. No. There's no way the shark could ever be real no. because they've created a monster shark. Right. Well, what I'm saying is if they shot footage of a real shark, then they can mess around with the scale so it looks bigger. Okay. I'm not saying there's a 26-foot Mako shark anyway. Do you know why he made them 26 foot? Because the shark in George, George was 25 feet long <laughs> and he wanted to make it one bigger. Um, can we talk about the alternate ending? What? Oh, wait. So... In uh, test screenings, apparently Rennie Harlan had so many uh, cards that came back that said, kill the bitch. Because in the original version, Saffron Burroughs doesn't die. And they believed that she was a hero and they couldn't believe that people wanted to see her dead. And so they had to change the ending quite quickly in order for her to die. Why would you ever see her as the hero? I, I think it's really fascinating because I was obsessed with this. The minute she's on screen, she's very cold, presumably on purpose, very driven, a very... um 
you know, she just wants to get, you know, she's got this whole backstory about her dead dad and that's supposed to make you think that she's a hero. She's doing it for noble causes. For the greater good. Yeah. And she is trying to cure Alzheimer's and other degenerative um, neurological impairments. And that is, there's no one, you know, you can't be a bad person, I suppose, if you're trying to do that. Mm. And yet she, I just imagine the dialogue being spoken in a different way, but the same words, would she have come across as a hero? It's just every single line she's got. She just, I think she's really good in it, but she delivers it really icily. And that's presumably what led people to think that she deserved to kill the bitch which is is that what they really wrote on the cards yeah that's what they really wrote do do you want to know some even more bad news from the deleted scenes yeah Uh, Janice is pregnant (gasps) with Stellan's with Stellan's child that's terrible there's no need to do that yeah and Rennie said that we cut it because it was tonally a bit off it is tonally a bit off Uh, but her death scene he she gets um, I don't know if you Clocked. It was a tribute to Rennie Harlan doing a tribute to Cliffhanger. Yeah, I yes, did see yeah. that. Yeah, I love that film. I didn't, I didn't spot that. I had to hear it. But yeah, yeah it was... there's, there's no real reason for him to hang upside that, but it is brilliant. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a reference to the beginning of Cliffhanger when Sylvester Stallone's hanging down and, and take trying my to... hand. Brilliant. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> she doesn't. She say exactly the same line because she goes, "I don't want to die." Oh yeah, and that's the line in Cliffhanger. That start to Cliffhanger upset me. Yeah, me too. So much as a kid. That bit is so shocking. Great way to open a film, though. Yeah, and there's a teddy that falls out of the bag first, and there's a teddy at the start of this. Oh, is that what it is? Because it sea. doesn't make any sense. That boat party tonally is very confusing. <laughs> Speak, um, speaking of getting naked, Saffron Burrows gets down to her underwear in the film. She does, and I, I was anticipating you throwing this over to me, like you always do, because you're scared of saying. Anything. I've got lots to say. I've got lots to say. I just like to get your opinion before I put my foot in it. <laughs> Uh, they've claimed it was an homage to Alien. Um, I'm not buying that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I wasn't happy about it at all. I understood the point of that the suit would prevent her from being electrocuted, but well, there are plenty of... Isn't she wearing rubber shoes, yes, though, she already? Is, she's wearing rubber shoes already. Oh, yeah. Interesting, though. You know, that shark's electro- electrocuted. The first one is uh, blown up, and the yeah. third one is... It's got it's a bomb. A bomb, yeah. It's the three ways the sharks die in Jaws 1, but, 2, yeah, and 3. Is that right? No, I read I was, it, and I I wasn't sure if that it. was true. And also, I think there's maybe there's only three or four ways to kill a shark in spectacular fashion in a film. Uh, you could strangle it. Thomas Jane could strangle it. Yep. You can't. You could just get 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 a meaty man arm around the back of it. <laughs> I pull its I pull its tail. Fire it into space. That's one. <laughs> um, uh, Find out if it has any fears, food allergies, <laughs> and then give it that food. Can't bear oysters. Weird. But I was confused by why Saffron Burrows. The you know, there's the shot where she comes out of the shower and she's got the she's wearing a terry toweling dressing gown because it's the 90s and that was acceptable <laughs> i still have those yeah what? no but you wouldn't be uh, they're a private thing aren't they they're not like if we've got a sexy hero she will wear a toweling dressing gown but it was be- it was different who's she dressing sexy for though that's a good point but then why does she have to take all her clothes off uh, I want to go back to something we touched upon at the start of this conversation, but I think it deserves more time. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's death. Oh, it's brilliant. But also the build-up to it. So how do we feel about what happened to him in the Alps? The Himalayas. The Himalayas. The Himalayas. No, it's no, the, Alps. the Alps. Yeah, I checked He's you. always... He's corrected me, isn't he, without checking. Can't help himself. Uh, no, because that's the line, because... Uh, yeah, she gets it wrong as she well. She goes, what happened in the Himalayas? He goes, uh, the Alps. The Alps. Yeah, really like, different. So what did happen in... The Alps. I think he ate someone. Yeah, so do I. Do you? Yeah. I think they just they. I think they were starting to come violent towards each other, and so they killed a couple of them because it was all. 
Because I was I was going to rewind it and find out how long were they actually trapped? It was only, was it like a week or 10 days mm. or 10 hours? I couldn't remember. Because if it was only 10 hours and they ate people, it that's seems unnecessary. pretty bad. Yeah. That's like, I mean, I, you know, that's like... I, you, you don't. You just wouldn't, would you? You can wait. Yeah, I mean, like you know, oh, he's grumbled once. Give me your hand. <laughs> but that's where this film is is brilliant in everything that you. If you think you're one step ahead of it, they are one step ahead of you. So when LL Cool J climbs into the oven, any normal person is like, turn the oven on, <laughs> and then the oven gets turned on. And when Samuel Jackson is taking a million years to give this massive speech, standing by the lip of a pool where there's a killer shark on the loose, and he's just been told to stand away yeah. from the edge. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, on that on that commentary, Eddie Harlan says we we really went out of our way to make it the longest, corniest, most pompous speech. Yeah, because we knew the audience would be groaning yeah. and blaming the filmmakers for putting such a crappy scene in, mm. because that's what we wanted, to, so everyone would let their guard down. It's brilliant. Would you like to hear uh, that moment? As it happens. Yes. Yes, I would. Sorry, yes. We're not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and we're going to find a way to get out of here. First, we're going to seal off this. Still remember that moment, seeing it, seeing it back in 99 with my mates at uni. And it's a moment that we still talk about and laugh about. Like it had such a profound effect. It's um, genuinely like it's one of those moments that you can never fully enjoy a second time because yeah. you know it's coming. But that first time you saw it, I, I, just like. And it's the kind of moment actually that would be spoilt now because it would be all over the Internet and word have got, would have got out. Whereas back then you just didn't know going in that the, the major star in this film was going to get. Bumped that, off that's in that your way. weekly back then section. <laughs> <laughs> but it's oh. true. Before the internet, things were simpler. It's it's harsh because it's true. Yeah. Um. So the film was a hit, but so Tom a Tom, moderate hit. Tom Jane was talking about the fact that he really felt like it could have been a bigger hit. He said that the studio wasn't really fully behind it, and then about a week before it came out, they did a huge preview in New York. And he said the audience just went crazy when the Sam Jackson scene happened. And he said they didn't calm down for about five minutes. And the studio suddenly started pumping money into the marketing at that very last minute. But by that point, um, Runaway Bride was the big film that week. But also Blair Witch had come out the week before. Oh, wow. And that was just building and building. And they were just a bit too late. They kind of missed, missed their opportunity. I went to see Blair Witch at the cinema. Mm, uh, I did. It, it was a packed Odeon in Camden. And... Um, and I remember it ended and it's sort of, it's the guy standing in the corner mm. and then it just like cuts to black and there was just a silence in the yeah. cinema. And then one guy in the middle just went, what, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for him. Everyone started laughing and suddenly it wasn't scary anymore. <laughs> that was me. Um, but while it was a, it was a, it was a modest hit, um, it did spawn a sequel. No, I never watched it. Did Which, you watch it? It came out last year. Yeah, I know. Oh. 19 years later. Wow. Um, would you like to hear that? I haven't seen it. Would you like to hear the plot of Go uh, for it. Deep Blue Sea 2? A shark conservationist is hired as a consultant on a top secret project on genetically enhanced sharks funded by a pharmaceutical billionaire. But soon the highly intelligent super sharks turn on their masters and begin to pick them off one by one. Oh, I have seen it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we've all seen it. <laughs> well, that's, that saves some time. We've all good. seen it. <laughs> Uh, stupid, stupid people. <laughs> so is there any more for any more? I've, I've got some Mako shark facts, but I think Ooh, they're quite... Oh, no, tell me, tell me. I'm really interested. Are you? I know it's the fastest shark. Yeah. I mean, they're mainly around it being the fastest shark. 
Oh. Uh, the longest well, one, okay. the longest one that's been caught is 15 foot long. I don't know. I don't know what a foot is, so that doesn't make any about sense that. to me. Okay, that doesn't seem. That but, big. but you know roughly what about six foot is because a lot of, of people because of people because yeah, of people. I'm, so, I'm exactly six. Show off. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just a li- I'm just a little bit taller. Um, um, they're only responsible for one fatal attack out of nine, which I think sounds like quite a lot, even though people says they're not man killers. Oh. I, I did get this bit of information, which you tell me if this is useful or not. Um, in terms of them killing people, this doesn't mean it's necessarily safe to get into the water with them. But divers report that a good sign you're being targeted as their next meal is if they start to swim in a figure eight pattern and approach you with their mouths open. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that. That tends to be a clear sign. If they bite you. (laughs) Do you, um, you know, obviously what you're meant to do if you are ever attacked by a shark is you punch them on the nose. Is it true? You punch them on the nose because then the shark has a nosebleed, smells its own blood and, and eats, eats itself. itself. Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's how it works. I was listening to you seriously then for a second. <laughs> um, do you know Samuel Jackson's favourite movie of his own to rewatch? Oh, Is it Deep Lucy? I no. would say, is it Unbreakable? Nope. Oh. Nope. It's a Rennie Harlan film. Long Kiss Goodnight. It oh, I love the that Long film. Kiss Goodnight, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mm. that's his favourite of his own movies to rewatch. Mm. I mean, Reddy Harlan did some really fun movies at, at that time, didn't he? Yeah, Driven. <laughs> and he did Driven and Cutthroat Island. I'm thinking of Cliffhanger. I'm thinking of Cliffhanger This and The Longest Good Night. Cliffhanger This, Longest Good Night, Die Hard 2. Yeah. What? It's okay. No, no it's great. No, Die I Hard think 2 is you watch great it back film. to back with the other one and it's not, it's not good. No, it's... I like it. I prefer it to Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm. No. Well, Die with the Avengers doesn't feel much like a diehard film, though, does it? It's, it was a script called Simon Says that they just sort of retrofitted. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and so it could have been anyone running around New York doing that stuff. That's Die Hard 4.0, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous name. That was, um, that was a script for 24, the movie that was going to be right, Keeper yeah. Sutherland, which explains why it is exactly like it is. Or Live Free and Die Hard, as it was called in the state. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, then, so... Anaconda versus Deep Blue Sea. Who is our winner going to be? I'll start with you, Victoria. Hit me. It's a really difficult decision this week, principally because of John Voight and how magnificent he is in Anaconda. Um, The thing is, though, Deep Blue Sea uses every element it can to up the stakes. So it isn't just sharks. It isn't just sharks in the water. Air pressure. The building's falling down. It's cold. There's a parrot on the loose. And so for that ingenuity... I am going to go with Deep Blue Sea. One for Deep Blue Sea. Well, I really feel like I'm between the devil and the Deep Blue Sea with this one. That's nice. (laughs) Um, I do really uh, love both of these films. Um, uh, But I love the fact that Deep Blue Sea puts the sharks in man's environment and then flood it so they make it their own. So there's just, there's something unique about that vision. I agree with you, Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan? No. John Voight gives me a real issue because I'd like to put John Voight in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, that would be amazing. Can we do that? Uh, but as we can't, uh, uh, and if a movie is made of great moments, I think Deep Blue Sea has two in terms of those two kills, and for that reason, it's Deep Blue Sea for me. <gasps> so Deep Blue Sea, two votes. It is the winner. Just for the record, I too would have gone for Deep Blue Sea. Did someone order the fish? Somebody, please, tell me what that is. Um, all right then, so... Deep Blue Sea is the winner this week. Chris, I believe it's your turn to pick the films for us next week. What we do. Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. You are getting 1998's Deep Impact. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, Vicky, you might be able to guess what's coming next because you're getting 1998's Armageddon. Great. <laughs> and with that, Armageddon out of here. Yay, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so many fans. Uh, but if people want to get in touch, I have got that information. Um, we are at Clash Pod on Twitter. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Or if you want to tell us what you thought of this week's films or next week's films, uh, you can email us at show at clashpod.com. Lovely stuff. Armageddon and Deep Impact are next week's films. Uh, I think I may have worked out the connection. I think. Thank you very much for listening. And please, if you would, be so kind as to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be lovely. Back in a week. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.